This is the SB Live Washington podcast, your weekly conversation about high school sports and the people who play them across the Evergreen State. I'm Andy Bueller, your host and a reporter with SB Live. Today we're going to be breaking down the WIAA State Football Championships, which take place on Saturday, December 4th. The end of the football season is upon us, and six title games are taking place. We will be covering all of them in depth, and we're here to break them down. We're here to give you predictions. The we I'm talking about is my co-pilot of this ship, a senior reporter with SB Live, and the prodigal son of Tacoma. Todd Mills is with me. Todd, it's championship week. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Championship Saturday, Andy. It's It's been a long two years, man, but uh, looking forward to seeing some really interesting games. I know you're going to be in, in Puyallup to see how those two games come out, the 3A and 2A. And I'm going to I'm gonna kind of bounce between the early game at um, Lakewood. I'm going to see the 1A finale, Royal, Eatonville, and then I'm going to head over and watch the uh, the big schools go out at the big hitters, Graham Capaz and Lake Stevens. But looking forward to a very busy and hopefully non-rainy day. Yeah, this is, of course, going to be a return to uh, the second year of a format, a new stadium format that the WIA has adopted. Uh, The state football championships uh, was in the Tacoma Dome for a long time, dating back to 1995. It was in the King Dome in Seattle before that was demolished, before 95. It used to be called the King Bowl. And now, this is the second year that this tournament and this game, this championship, is at uh, three district sites, uh, three basically district high school stadiums uh, that the WI has selected in the Tacoma area. Um, I know there's a lot of chatter, Todd, and I think for players, for coaches, for everyone, having those games in uh, you know big, meaningful kind of memory-making sites uh, like a Kingdom, like a Tacoma Dome before the renovation uh, changed the uh, spectator experience significantly. Um, you know, I think I think this in this second year, this format is is very much like for a, from a cost saving standpoint makes the most sense if you ask the WIA. Um, and, and I think they really liked the feedback the WIA did that they received in 2019 from those games. Um, most games, especially the later games, the big school classifications had packed stadiums. They got really lucky and had a good break in weather. I think I'm not sure it rained the whole day. I think actually I take that back. I think it rained early in the in the uh, twelve o'clock slot, but by the end it was kind of a crisp uh, evening uh, and, and raucous. I was at the four A one B game two years ago, um, but you know this second year in this format, I'm interested to see and talk to players, families, uh, coaches, and, and the WI about this event going forward because you know I think. I think a story after this year and after this uh, this championship season and series wraps up is what's this event going to look like going forward? Uh, but I think we kind of have an idea based on 2019 what it looks like or what it's going to look like on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, COVID's not going to help push that. I know, you know, behind the scenes, they're going to obviously ask. Um, they're going to ask, you know, Husky Stadium. They're going to ask to see if – you know, if it's feasible financially to get back in a, in a one-stop site like the Tacoma Dome um, or a Husky Stadium or a, you know, or, or a Seahawks Stadium, I, I think the COVID is going to push this, this latest option. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, with, with, with the finances right now and all the hits that people are taking financially, this is, this is something we're going to see 
I think moving forward here in the near future with, with maybe the, the idea of going back to something like that, you know, down the road. Um, it will be interesting to see, again, this is, this is the second year where it's been at these three Pierce County sites. Andy, like you mentioned, it will be interesting to see if they will start to rotate this um, around the West side, or, you know, we know there's some, some really good sites uh, in Spokane that have been um, built. Um, you know, Memorial Stadium looks like it's going to go through a renovation. So, again, we've talked about this. You know, there would be some some interesting sites to hold this up north in Seattle and King County, Memorial and Popkini, um, something along those lines, or even Everett's or, you know, so. But right now it's at the same place. Uh, I, I think they didn't want to get too crazy with it coming out of a COVID year, but it would be interesting to see what options they they consider for this for this three site uh, format moving forward. Yeah, it would. And, and the 1B game, which uh, we can start uh, talking about, we can kick off with that game uh, between Quilcene and ACH. Like if Odessa had beat Quilcene in that semifinal uh, out at Moses Lake, I believe they would have had the state championship game at Moses Lake um, because both of those teams are east side teams. So, you know, this format where you're playing it at high school sites, I think it gives the WI more flexibility. It's an obvious cost-saving uh, measure. I can't remember. that I reported a story that I'll, I'll look up and link in the show notes after 2019. Um, they saved quite a bit of money on that, uh, on that championship series. And in order to have one, they explored. They had conversations, uh, I was told, with the University of Washington to host it at that site. You know, they ha- the WI has a relationship with the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks ha- do outreach in high school sports with their, you know, coach of the week. Um, you know, they bring coach of the years to raise the, the 12 flag uh, at Seahawks games. There is a relationship there. I think with UW, what I heard was there was a locker room issue uh, with the just the space inside locker rooms, especially in a COVID era. And across the board, it's you know, the state association would need to have the, those either the university or the Seahawks subsidize um, the cost of renting those venues in some form or fashion. Um, so not off the table by any stretch, but, you know, I think, you know, that faces an uphill battle. That being said, you ready to dive into these games? I am. Let's, let's get to picking. Let's do it. Okay, so so on the site, scorebooklive.com slash Washington and the SB Live Sports app, uh, those, that's your home for uh, not only previews, predictions, breakdowns of these state championship games, but as of this week, we're rolling out preseason basketball rankings. The basketball season is in week one across this state. Another very exciting time where we have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about uh, entering another exciting year, first year, first full year in two First full season in two years, um, but uh, it's also your home for uh, high school sports news and information across this state. It's your home for this podcast, um, and it's your home for all of Todd and my work. So on Saturday, uh, you'll see uh, these uh, championship game previews and breakdowns uh, in the WI program handbooks, those commemorative handbooks. Uh, so. Todd, let's let's just dive into it, starting with 1B. Uh, so number one, ACH, uh, faces number three, Quilcene. It's the best team from the East versus the best team from the West. Uh, and, you know, Quilcene sitting here at 10-1, and one, uh, they dropped an early season game to, uh, I believe it was Lummy missing uh, their best player, Bishop Budnick, has run the table ever since, uh, had to play, you know, a very tough game uh, against, you know what, they had to play a game against Lummy um, 
in the district play-in and a loser out, won that game, and they've just kind of won ever since, beating uh, the two-time defending state champs in Odessa last week in the semifinals. They ran away with that game. They were clearly the better team. But they face an ACH team, Todd, that was – that was it wasn't our number one team entering the season, but many coaches said that this team uh, was should have been the preseason favorite. This is a team that has a lot of seniors. This is a team that has – you know, a, a kind of a, a once in every few years type team with uh, with some special players like Grady Murray, uh, Dane Isaac, Reese Isaac, Cooper Correa, and a really strong senior class. Um, and they've just got they've got size that nobody in the state has been able to match up with. It'll be interesting to see if Quilcene with three Budnick brothers. You have Bishop. You have uh, the junior Deacon Budnick. Uh, you have the freshman Max Budnick. Um, if, if they can kind of counteract that size um, and if they can establish the run, that's going to be the big thing. You know, Odessa uh, is a little younger this year. Uh, and when they played ACH, you know, Odessa is very run heavy. They can throw the ball, but only as a means to keep you off balance, uh, you know, if you commit too hard to the run. ACH took the run completely out of the equation for Odessa. So I think the question here is, can Quilcene, uh, which is led by uh Head coach Trey Beathard in his sixth year, Can Quilcene uh, establish that run with a running back that uh, has accounted for uh, more than 1,300 yards uh, and 24 touchdowns on the season? That's that's the biggest question. I mean, the, the encouraging thing from from Quilcene last week was uh, the way they shut Odessa down. So we know that Quilcene can play a physical brand of football. They, we know that they have the personnel to, to control the clock. They have two really good running backs, like you said, Bishop Budnick, who was coming off an off-season ankle injury, uh, Kevin Alejo. He's also a, a near 1,000-yard rusher. But the question is, can those guys get going against this defense? I don't know if Quilcene quite has the offensive power, firepower to win a game that gets in the 30s and 40s, Andy, I, I, against a really good defense. I, it's, I, they have to win a game that's going to be – it's going to look like an eleven-man game, to be honest with you, Andy. Um, and I don't think, I don't think ACH is going to let that happen. I think ACH will find ways um, to, you know, Dane Isaac uh, is a, you know, they. I mean, look at they got they got guys that can run the football all over the field and a big line to, to uh, of which to to run behind. So I they're going to score points. Um, I don't think Quilcine will be able to keep up with that. I think ACH wins. I'm going to pick thirty-eight to nineteen. ACH wins. And the dynasty under Brandon Walsh continues um, after winning state titles uh, here recently in 2015 and 2017. 38-19 is your pick, Todd. I'm going to pick – I'm going to give Quilcene a, a few more points, but I'm also going to give ACH a few more points. Uh, I'm going to go 42-24, to 24, and the reason I say that is because of a guy named Grady Murray. Not only has ACH's running back receiver uh, gone for uh, you know almost a thousand yards rushing, uh, eleven touchdowns. He's caught for over two hundred fifty yards passing uh, or receiving, I should say, and eight receiving touchdowns. But this this young man, uh, as a senior, has had six interceptions on the season. Five of those six interceptions, he's returned for touchdown. Um, this is a guy that can make a home run play on offense and on defense. And when you have a quarterback um, that, you know, I don't want to say that, that Nathan Kiefer uh, at Quilcene is an inexperienced quarterback. You know, he's, he's thrown for 
you know, more than 300 yards, nine touchdowns. He's only thrown two interceptions this season. But when you have a team that's forced to do something they maybe aren't built to do, um, you know, I look at a guy like Grady Murray as somebody who's who's really scary and and has the potential to really change a game in that standpoint. So sounds like you and I have similar score predictions for this 1A game. Um, that game is at noon on Saturday at Mount Tahoma Stadium in Tacoma. Tickets, $16 for adults, $12 for students uh, and senior citizens. Uh, Todd... You have anything else about this 1B game, or are you ready to jump to 2B? 2B at, uh, at Lakewood. Let's do it. Yeah, this one is going to be the 4 p.m. game at Harry E. Lang Stadium, like you said, in Lakewood. And this is the game that, Todd, you oversee our 2B coverage, our 2B rankings. You and I trade off uh, in, in, in that sense, depending on classification. Coming into this year, you had Kalama as the number one team in the, in the state at 2B. You had Napavine as the number two team coming into the state. Uh I think as the season has progressed, uh, that prediction and that, that forecast early on has proven to be true. These are, are the two best teams in this state. And when you come into a game like this, Napavine at 12-0, Kalama at 11-0, um, you, know, you want to see the two best teams go at each other, uh, especially that are so familiar with each other on this stage. Yeah, we got what we want, man. Uh, I, these are clearly the two best teams in 2B and have been um, over the course of the years. I mean, on Alaska, obviously winning in 2019 with that really good triple option power attack. And before that, Okanagan kind of interrupted it. But these are the two teams that I think if, if you ask people that follow this classification around the state, these are the two, t- these are the two teams that people will mention most often. They're diverse. Um, they're fun to watch. Um, and in this particular case, it's, it's very, it's very simple, Andy. It's, it's the best player, not only in this classification, but the best player we've seen in a while in this classification, uh, facing probably a little more balanced of a football team, uh, probably more of the collect, you know, the collective um, impact. Uh, you look at their offensive line with Keith Olsen. Um, they have a clear advantage over Kalama. Um, they're, they're a lot more, you know, they're probably a little more balanced. They, they want to run the ball with Gavin Parker, but I'll, I'll tell you, I want to, I want to read some numbers. So we know at Lathan, we remember Lathan Demarest last year. Mm-hmm. He was a fantastic dual threat at, at Napa Vine. His brother Steve. has put up some, yeah, his brother has put up some pretty darn good numbers, Andy. And I, I guess I didn't really realize how effective he was in his first year as the starting quarterback. Probably a little bit better passer than his brother was, but almost 1,800 yards passing, 25 touchdowns, almost 650 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good debut season um, for the dual threat uh, at Napa Vine. And oh, by the way, we can hand it to a guy that's, that's got out nearly fifteen hundred yards rushing. Lucas Dahl, you saw that speed last week. Um, these are two teams that actually both have a lot of speed. Um, I like Napa Vine in this game. As good as Kalama's defense has played, as much as we both love Jackson Essery, I think Napa Vine is the more complete football team if you look at all three phases. Um, they've played some barn burners over the year. This is truly a pick'em game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm picking Napa Vine again. I think it's going to be 40-37. to 37. The Tigers come out on top and, and ruin Jackson Essery's final game as the senior. Man, Jackson Essery, let's, let's talk about him. Uh, I think 
you know, his ability to make plays on his feet. I know coming into the season, you know, he's had he's had to scramble a lot. He's had to make things happen out of the pocket a lot in his four years at Kalama. And head coach Sean McDonald coming into the year was pretty adamant that he felt that his line this year could protect Essery maybe a little bit better than in years past, that it was maybe built for that in a way um, that, you know, with its size and experience that that the uh, those, those backs or that line in years past were not. Um, I think it's borne out to be true. However, you know, I saw it last Saturday. Okanagan has an impressive uh, uh, line that had established itself and really, really kind of made a name for itself over the course of this year. Napavine had no issues with with Okanagan's O-line. Imposed its will, led obviously by uh, USC commit Keith Olsen. Uh, He's not alone in, in their only impact guy on the line. I think Kalama's line has a really, really big task in front of it. Um, but let's talk about Essery for a second. Coming into the season, uh, Essery enters as a fourth-year starter. He, As a freshman, he was just too good of an athlete for Sean McDonald to keep off the field. He had him in there as a tight end. Uh, that team went on to win a 2B state title. So as a freshman, Essery got experience playing, in his, playing games uh, in December. He comes back his sophomore year, and uh, he moves over behind center to quarterback. Goes ahead and accounts for 4,455 total yards of offense and 50 touchdowns. Helps the Kalama reach the 2B state championship game. As you said, they met a much bigger team in Onalaska uh, that that ran away and and escaped uh, with the 2B title that year. And coming into the season, I did a story on Jackson. I caught him at a jamboree at Ridgefield. I'll link that story in the show notes here too. Um, But, you know, the story kind of looked twofold at – Two big goals that he's got in front of him. One, he wants to show college coaches that he can play quarterback. He's not just a good B-level quarterback, class B-level quarterback. He is a good quarterback. That's something that Jackson has wanted to prove this season, uh, hopefully staying in the pocket a little bit more uh, and getting a chance to show that. But what's fueled him all year is to bring home state title number two. That's all he wants at this point. Um, This is a quote from him. He said, quote, That's all I want at this point. Recruiting, it'll come, but I want those state titles. I want two rings to end my senior year. That's my goal, and that's my team's goal. Todd, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to do what you did last week. I'm going to pick against Napavine. Kalama wins this game in a barn burner. I'm going going 40 to 36 is my pick. What did you say your pick was? I want to make sure and write this down. Well, I had 40 to 37 Napavine, so I think we both think it's going to be a lot of points put up. So, yeah, I think we, we're both we're both similar in that vein. We just have the we have the different different teams winning there, Andy. Yeah, no question, no question. So that's a game that I'll be looking forward to. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good one. And if you want to just see two state powerhouses, two teams that have just been at the top of this classification all year, like it's just going to be a great football game. I, you know, I I think and I hope. Um, Four p.m. Saturday, Harry E. Lang Stadium in Lakewood. Todd, anything else about 2B? You wrote uh, a story that you could find on the site uh, just about how, um, you know, how familiar these teams are with one another uh, and how familiar both teams are with this stage. Yeah, I, no, I, I don't have any really anything to add. I just I, I, I just sort of get used to seeing these two teams go at it. Two really well-coached teams, Sean McDonald, Josh Fay. Um, uh, you know, a lot of healthy respect around the state for these two and what they've built there. Um, so whoever wins is going to really, really enjoy the moment on Saturday. No question. On to 1A. On Saturday, noon, 
at Harry E. Lang Stadium at the same site as the two Bs. Two seed Eatonville plays one seed Royal. Both teams are 13-0 and very similar to that 2B game. Uh, this has been the matchup that these two teams have hoped to see each other all season. Eatonville for even longer than this season. Back in the spring, this is this is a fun note. I wrote about this on the site in our uh, 1A championship preview. But back in the spring, uh, you saw this banner. Todd, last weekend you went out to Royal City. You went out to... Uh, to that stadium out there uh, and saw Wiley Allred and the Knights uh, beat Kings in, in, you know, its closest game of the season. Uh, but Royal had a, a championship banner honoring uh, last year's team as state champions. Now, I want, I want to talk about this, Todd, because you're, you wrote that story. You put a note in it in that story. Royal goes, what, 5-0, and 6-0 and last year in the spring? And there's no opportunity to play for an actual state championship. They're not getting a trophy. But Royal lined up a schedule with all bigger schools in its, in its area, in its region, in its health district, and just waxed all of them. I mean, it was, it was among the most impressive things uh, that we saw in the spring last year was, here's this 1A powerhouse. They've been doing it against 1A teams for years. And let's see them just go ahead and try to take on some of the big schools in their backyard. And they had no problem doing it. So... Um, Royal is a state power. They're not a state 1A power. They're a state power. But that sign, once the folks at Eatonville and head coach Gavin Kralik read your story and heard about that sign about, that they honor, that they claim themselves as state champions, uh, I, don't, I don't know that that sat, that sat all that well at Eatonville because those guys tried to schedule Royal last year on a Tuesday game ahead of a Saturday game. So four days between uh, a, a big game. They, tr- they said, we'll come and play you. And Royal said, that's just not enough time. We're playing a 4A school. Uh, no, thank you. And so for Eatonville to then see that Royal claimed themselves state champions in the spring, um, you know, I-, I think Eatonville is really, really excited and has been excited ever since um, that matchup happened with this group. A lot of seniors, a very complete group that's run the table this year, Todd. They've been excited for this matchup for a long time. Now, please, I want I, I want you to weigh in on this because you saw the sign. Uh, wh- what's your perspective on on uh, you know this this rivalry, this matchup, and, and kind of this back and forth that's been bubbling up uh, since before this season even started? I mean, let's face it. If if it was, let's just take a random one A school. Let's just say Efredo wanted to do this. Efredo had a great spring, and they wanted to declare themselves the state champions of the spring season and make a banner for itself. Would anybody be saying anything, Andy? Let's, let's be honest. No, it's, it's the Kings, you know, they, they have enough state banners and we're just going to add another one. And I think, you know, it, for whatever reason, it, it put Gavin Kralik in that group, it, it put him off a little bit. Um, now I talked to Wiley all right about, you know, what was, behind that thinking and I and I think you and I can both understand it's this COVID thing has not been easy for anybody um, and he saw it as a way to reward a team that ran the table was the un, was the unanimous number one team in all the statewide polls us included just to reward his kids just say hey listen it's not official but we're going to hang on here we did all we could do to win a state championship and we're going to give, we're going to put a state, we're going to put a banner in our stadium. Now, is it going to go on the WIA record books? Of course not. I can understand what, where Wiley, all Red's coming from. I mean, it's, 
And, and like he said, he goes, hey, it's contested. Other other programs can do the same thing if they want to. Eatonville included. Eatonville had a great spring season. They had one loss in the last second to a 3A Yelm team that made the state quarterfinals this year, Andy. Without, without their best player, too. Well, yeah, with, jumper. yeah, correct. So, yeah, I mean, if 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 that's going to fire Eatonville up or give them a another, you know, a little bit of an emotional charge, um, so so be it. Plug into it. Um, I, you know, what, the thing I've known about and learned about Wiley Allred is he he really could care less about what's going around with other programs around the state. He doesn't care what Eatonville's saying, doing, the way they're planning. Any of that stuff. That's not who Wiley Allred is. Wiley Allred is a successful businessman in the small town of Royal City who invests in his own kids, makes home visits to all of his kids to find out who exactly is playing for him. And he cares about his kids deeply. And if this is the way he decided he wanted to honor his kids, uh, some kids that didn't get a chance to, to come back and play this fall for a state championship, you know, it, it's not as arrogant as some programs including Eatonville might 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 play it off to be well I think it, it makes for really really good you know motivation fodder and bulletin board material the week ahead of playing a game that these guys at Eatonville have been looking forward to playing for a really long time and uh you know I when I look at this matchup I think it's a fascinating matchup because um you know this isn't the biggest uh, royal team in in the trenches this is a very big Eatonville team in the trenches, Todd. Averaging 270 pounds on the line. These guys aren't just big, but they're strong. They have an Olympic weightlifting program. Um, this, just the, the, I don't have them off the top of my head, but some of the numbers that, that I've heard from this group and their weight, weight room numbers from how much they can deadlift and power clean, it's just absurd. Um, teams have been able to run the ball on them. You know, Tenino, which had a prolific run game, gave him a two-point game, uh, or, or they played him within two points. LeCenter ran the ball pretty effectively on him. Um, I think, Todd, when I look at this matchup, these teams match up pretty evenly across the board and are both really, really complete groups. I think quarterback play is going to have a big bearing on the result here. Uh, you look at Eatonville, and Kevin Wolf is a senior. Uh, he's coming off, you know, one of his best performances of the season. Uh, he had was sixteen of thirteen, uh, thirteen of sixteen for three hundred twenty-three yards, two touchdowns, and three rushing touchdowns against Lyndon Christian last week. Um, they didn't have a problem with Lyndon Christian, a very a very good Lyndon Christian team, and a team that was big in the trenches too. Um, Derek Bergeson, the quarterback at Royal, entered the season. You may know him from being their standout linebacker, um, but he's not just a linebacker turned quarterback. He's somebody that grew up playing quarterback. He just happened in past years to be behind Caleb Christensen, who's an all-time program great quarterback. Um, that being said, Bergeson, as you saw, threw three picks last week against Kings, and uh, I think he's going to need to shore some of that up uh, against a team that – you know, advantage in the linebacking core I give to uh, Royal, Avery Ellis and Bergeson. Avery Ellis, you saw him just physically incredibly imposing. You're, you're flexing your muscles right now. Um, he's a huge, huge kid uh, in the middle. They have kind of a Kennewick-like linebacking core there, uh, like a Bronson Childs-esque. Um, but Eatonville's Blaine Hanley was the defensive MVP of that league uh, for a reason. Uh, he's a small linebacker. I think he can't be taller than like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, um, but he's had over well over 100 tackles. Uh, he's had a pick on the year. 
uh, and, and he's kind of the heart and soul of their team and just instinctually. I think going back to it, quarterback play is going to make a huge difference in this game uh, for two teams that match up really well. I don't disagree with anything that you said, Andy. Um, I think I think Royal is going to get it what it what it what it's been getting all season on the ground with uh, with the quarterback with Berg Bergerson with Avery Ellis. Um, uh, I know Eatonville's run defense has played better as of late, but I still think this is a these are two really big human beings uh, in high school running the football. I think Royal is going to get uh, its share of production on the on on the ground. I think Edenville is going to get its share through the air. I think quarterback play is is could be a, could be a, a, a difference maker. Um, the thing that worries me, though, Andy, especially now having gone over and watched Royal play, and they have this fantastic nucleus. We, we've talked about it: Derek Ferguson, Avery Ellis, Luke Ferguson, the really talented receiver, Jace Allred, um, you know, Gunnar Anderson. Um, I mean, a, a pretty active defensive line. They have not played a lot of four-quarter games. And this was a little bit, you know, this is this is where the sportsmanship of high school football, if you're doing it right, comes in. You know, you, you wall up a team and you, and you kind of let your foot off the pedal. Eatonville has played far more four, three or four-quarter football games than Royal has. Now, Royal does not, they don't slew platoons, so they're going to play a lot of guys both ways. I'm going to be very curious to see what this looks like if this game is close, what happens in the fourth quarter? Because Eatonville has played with that tempo. Um, is Royal going to wear down? Um, they're going to be – Royal's going to be using a lot of energy, not only backpedaling and playing and defending a, a really high aerial passing attack, but like you said, it's a big physical Eatonville offensive line. It's got to take its toll on a team that has not played full games very often um this fall I, I was a little concerned when i when i came back from royal last week um watching Derek play he's a little bit of a gunslinger um the three interceptions um if royal is sloppy with the football like that on saturday um it it, it it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be doomsday in my opinion i especially with edenville coming off perhaps its best performance of the year you know that I've been tooting Royals horn all year. They're the dynasty. Um, I think Eaton Mill's going to win this football game, Andy. Um, I think they're going to win uh, a barn burner. Um, I think they're going to win 27-24 in a, in, a, in a classic matchup. Uh, Eaton Mill gets its first state championship since the early 90s. Um, it doesn't do it to me. It doesn't do anything if Royal wins or loses uh, this game to, to its legacy and what, what – what Wiley Allred has done, but this could be the start of a really good run for Eatonville under Gavin Kralik. Yeah, and and don't don't forget, Royals driving from Royal City uh, all the way over to Lakewood for this game. This is basically going to be an Eatonville home game. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Royal uh, won't travel well. I mean, this football team is obviously a big deal uh, in that town, but um, you know, it, I I expect the Eatonville community. Uh, to uh, to show up for this one, uh, to show out, to make themselves heard. I expect to see Skip Smith on the sidelines, uh, you know, bringing the updates, the Eatonville Dispatch reporter. Did I get that right? The Eatonville Dispatch, right? Um, however, in these games, when Royal has been tested, Royal, they've won four of the last five 1A state championships. 
in these games where they've been tested, we look at two years ago, Lyndon Christian was that number two team that, you know, if there was going to be a team to, to test that Royal team two years ago uh, with the Christiansons, it was going to be Lyndon Christian. And they gave him a game. Royal was playing from behind, had to come back late down a touchdown in the final minutes of that game and pulled it out in big games and in big moments. I can't pick against Royal's track record until it happens. Todd, I'm going to, I'm taking the exact same, uh, you know, impetus that you had behind ranking Royal and that we had behind ranking Royal all year. Number one is until it happens, they're going to be number one. Give me Royal 34 to 28 this weekend at Harry Lang Stadium. This is the first first way first uh, pick. We're we're splitting ways here, Todd. But I honestly, I could I could see this game going either way. I, I don't blame you. Uh, it's it's in the organic nature of football. It's hard to believe that that Royal could lose a, an important football game, uh, and it's been very very on rare occasions that I've seen it happen. But it'll be interesting to see what happens Saturday. It's 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 to me it's the matchup I am most looking forward to seeing. Going up to two A. This is a great matchup, Todd, not just because of the history between these two programs, not just because of the history as with these two programs as state powerhouses, uh, but Linden, when the number two seed Lions, 11-1, take on top-seeded Tumwater at 10-2, Linden's the last team to beat Tumwater, and that was 28-27 in the state quarterfinals three years ago. That's been a long time uh, since Tumwater has lost uh, on this stage, um, at the two A level, what's your prediction for this game? What intrigues you about this matchup? A, a Linden team that defensively is really sound, and a Tumwater team that I'll weigh in on this in a moment, Todd. But shut down the most dynamic offensive duo in Leighton Smithson and Ben Schlembacher at, at Squalicum held that team without a touchdown last weekend at Tumwater. What intrigues you about this two A state championship? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. After Tumwater cleared cleared the hurdle last week. I thought that was the one team that matched up best with Tumwater. And it was a really good game, 14 to three. Um, that's that's Qualicum, that 5-2 defense uh, performed admirably. Linden's going to see a lot of what Squalicum did. I know they do little different things, little different nuanced things um, in the way they attack with the 5-2, but still Linden runs a, you know, a similar 5-2 defense. Um, I, I would think if Linden saw the, the, the effect that, that, Squalcom had defensively uh, on that Tumwater wing tee. They, they would be very encouraged. But I, I listen, the one thing I've learned about Tumwater and Bill Beatty and this staff so many years under its belt is they know how to make adjustments. Um, they're going to they're going to they're going to find a way to successfully attack that 5-2 defense. I don't think they're going to have any trouble running the football on Linden. Lin- yes, Linden's big. Um, they've got really good athletes in the back end on defense. Um, this might be the start of a two or three year nice little run for for Linden. Um, I, I just don't see this game being very close, to be honest with you, Andy. I just think Tom Water will find its footing with that wing tee, uh, you know, with those two running backs. I mean, you you watched him, you watched him last week, Carlos Matheny. Um, I can't think of the other running back's name. Come on now, Peyton Hoyt. Yes, there Peyton, you go. Hoyt. Peyton Hoyt. Um, you know, I think I think you're going to see the two tight ends make big plays in the passing game. I just I just think after Tumwater cleared that that game last week, I think I think it's full speed ahead for this Thunderbird this Thunderbird squad um, with the wing tee. I'm, I'm I think they're going to win thirty to ten. I, I really think it's going to be uh, this is going to be the game that has maybe the the biggest um, margin for victory. 
I hear you. I'm going to give a little bit more respect to uh, Linden's defense. Uh, you know, Taven, Van Dalen, um, you know, they just up and down. This has been a team defensively that, that the defense has stirred the drink for him this year and is, and is kind of, you know, they've started there and, and the offense has kind of figured itself out as the season has progressed. Um, this, of course, um, you know, is, is a matchup with a lot of history. I think I was going to tweet this out last week, um, but my phone drowned at Tumwater District Stadium uh, and I didn't get the chance to. Uh, but just to, just to you know, get a point in about that Tumwater-Squalicum game, you had two Washington State commits in Ben Schlembacher and uh, Leighton Smithson, quarterback and running back at Squalicum. And then you had two Power 5 commits, big-bodied lineman tight ends in Ryan Otten, younger brother of uh, UW standout Kate Otten, now graduated, and uh, Austin Terry, who's headed to Boise State. There were some big, big collisions in that game. I mean, it did not feel like a two-way football game. And I think defensively, uh, with Linden's size, um, th- there's going to be kind of a similar feel to it. So if, if for whatever reason you're a casual fan and you're not you know, married to either two of these teams or don't have a particular rooting interest, this is another game that uh, you know, there's just a lot of college football talent uh, on, on both of these teams, but particularly Tumwater. I'm going to give Linden a little bit more of a chance, Todd. This is a team that has a lot of state championship experience, even under this coach, Blake Van Dalen, in, in five years, has been there. Um, I'm going to say 24-14. to 14. This is going to be a closer game in my book, um, although I certainly can follow your thinking after seeing uh, Tom Water hold that dynamic of an offense to just three points last week. On to 3A. We've got two more classifications to break down, and we're going to go with at noon on Saturday. We're going to Puyallup. I will be at this game, Sparks Stadium, number six, Kennewick. The highest class or the highest seed in this tournament across this season, the Kennewick Lions, the Giant Killers. Line them up, says head coach Randy Affalter, says running back linebacker Miles Mayofsky, uh, a, a uh, part-time host of this podcast, Line them up, they've said. Line up O'Day. Line up Eastside Catholic. We'll drive across the state. We don't care. Uh, they're going to have one more team and, and the number one team in the state uh, for most of this season uh, to line up in this final matchup, and that is resurging Bellevue. 13-0. and This is not the Bellevue team of, of 10 years ago, Todd, uh, that you, you could see a, a potential future NFL player uh, lined up on the field uh, you know, in any given snap. This is a Bellevue team that's made up of entirely guys that play, uh, that grew up in the youth program, that have bled blue and yellow their entire lives. Uh, They're not going to jump off the page, especially this senior class. I think head coach Michael Knipe told me earlier this week that uh, he doesn't have a senior on his team who plans to play college football at the next level. And I'm not sure, he wasn't sure that that's ever happened, uh, at least in this uh, in this century of Bellevue football. But this is a little bit of a return to roots in the wing tee um, with you know a team that, don't get me wrong, there is college football talent on this team. Hogan Hansen, tight end, is, is, is a phenomenal athlete, uh, just a sophomore. Uh, Ishan Daniels, uh, as a junior, is their speed around the edge uh, and as a defensive back is a playmaker. Um, but this is a Bellevue team that has just been so well-oiled and, and been tested a couple times uh, through these playoffs. Take on a Kennewick team that, you know, I got to admit, I think Bellevue, uh, they admit that they, I think some of them wanted to see Eastside Catholic with some of the history between those two 
uh, schools in recent years, but uh, they get a team that they haven't seen in a very long time. In fact, Kennewick's only other, as a program, only other time making it to the state championship game was in 1983. It was the 4A state title game in the Kingdom, and guess who they played? Bellevue. They lost to Bellevue. They're back here 30-some years later, and uh, they're playing the Wolverines again. Todd, what about this matchup uh, stands out to you? It's the best story in the postseason, Andy. Um, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week. How many teams have gone from west side to east side or east side to west side and won three games on the road on the other side of the mountains, three games in the, in, in the past two years? Nobody except Kennewick. So to me, that tells me something. I mean, they beat a really good Bethel team in the quarterfinals in 2019 that had Will Latu, Peter Latu, uh, was as dangerous a team as there was in 3A. So they know how to beat teams that are, that are fast and athletic. And then this year, they go down and they, they largely shut Jason Brown down again in O'Day, against O'Day, particularly in the first half. Um, find a way to beat the Irish in Memorial Stadium, a, a physical team. And then last week, we talked about it last week, Andy, maybe the best defense in 3A, that Eastside Catholic defense, that very opportunistic defense. One big pass play. They, they scored on a 95-yard touchdown reception, um, Austin Stoddard, and then on a defensive score. They made enough big plays to beat Eastside Catholic at Memorial Stadium. They've played the variety of teams, the, the run-based teams, the athletic teams, the really good defensive teams. They've played them all and beaten them all over the last two seasons that we've had state playoffs. And now they come over and they beat they play Bellevue, and I so badly, so badly want to pick Kennewick. And, you know, the only thing that's stopping me, Andy, is I look at what Bellevue did to Marysville Pilchuck last week. And that's the only thing that's stopping me. I mean, that was, that was maybe the most impressive score that came out of last weekend was that defense holding Marysville Pilchuck to three points. And I just can't do it. Um, this Bellevue team is really good. And – it would be so fitting for them to start week one um, as maybe the most complete team or showing themselves as one of the most complete teams to finishing it off as the most complete team. I'm going to pick Bellevue. Uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I'm going to pick 23-21. But Kennewick fans, I really wanted to pick you guys. Uh, just just the, the team of fate, the team that comes over and beats – Really good teams on you know on their side of the, the other side of the mountains, but I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. Todd, have you ever seen the show Ted Lasso? I have. You know that mantra that 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 show is centered around in the locker room when uh, when Jason Sudeikis' character has a sign above his office door that he points up to, and that team, AFC Richmond, was an underdog throughout both seasons. They've got a football coach that's not even a, a, a soccer coach. He's, a, he's an American football coach. And the, with the odds stacked against them, what was that one word that they kept coming back to? Believe. Believe in the Kennewick Lions. I'm picking Kennewick, Todd. I'm si- I can't keep picking against these guys. The last two weeks, I have picked Kennewick to lose, and they've come, off this, come across the state and proved me wrong. I think Bellevue looks at this team. They look at this defense. They look at the size and the length of their front seven, particularly Bronson Childs in the linebacking core at 6'5". Dad was a Wazoo standout, played in the NFL. 
Um, this is a very complete defensive unit. And what you've said, um, Todd, about the way that Bellevue shut down a high-octane Marysville-Pilchuck uh, offense, Kennewick's defense this postseason has been pretty dang good, too. Um, I'm picking Kennewick 27 to 24. I don't know how the hell they're going to do it, but I'm just, I just think they're going to do it. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, don't, I, I look at those two score lines from the last two weeks and go, you know, especially that O'Day game. It's just, they just know how to win football games and head coach Randy Affalter. I, I give him a lot of credit because he's, he's a third year coach with this team, Todd. And Early in the season, this team didn't look that great. Like they were winning close games. I think they only beat Southridge like seventeen to fourteen. Um, you know their offense was sputtering. They were just they. But but Affolter never panicked, and he told me this week. He said, "Look, you know we've we were seeing us make mistakes in the right places where you can tell they were kind of mistakes. You know, based on things you just hadn't repped that often." But they were seeing so many promising things, like from that Kamiakin game. You know, they they saw you know play here and there where they're break. They, you know, they leave the field that game and they're like, "Well, shoot, we lost to a good Kamiakin team." You know, we're feeling down about ourselves. Um, but then they go back into film and go, "Hey, we're actually we're pretty good. If we can do this here, they point to a play here. If we can replicate this, you know, we've got something here." And so Randy Affolter is the Ted Lasso of Washington high school football. And this Kennewick team is going to come across the state this week. And, you know, I think they're going to give Bellevue a hell of a game. Uh, I, I think this is a great matchup. You mentioned the Edenville Royal game is maybe the best game in, in, in the state this weekend. I think when you look at storylines, these are the best. This is the best storyline uh, game at the 3A level. I want to add on uh, a bit about Austin Stoddard, that receiver uh, who you mentioned, who who took a turned a 10-yard uh, reception into a 96-yard touchdown haul against uh, the best defense hands down in the state this season in Eastside Catholic. Um, he also had a pass breakup in the end zone at the very end of that game to seal it. I wrote about Austin earlier this season. Uh, Austin, is uh, he's a Kennewick lifer. He uh, Two years ago when Randy Affolter came into the program, uh, Austin... Uh, was had had some attendance issues. Uh, Affolter noticed that he wasn't at a lot of practices, a lot of lifts, and he started to check in on him and kind of build a relationship with him. And, and what he learned was that Austin's father, he, he lives in a single parent household. His, his mom and younger brother live in Oklahoma. His older brother lives in Eastern Washington. So it's just Austin and his dad. And his dad, uh, who is deaf, had fallen uh, ill to the point where he needed uh, somebody to look after him and, and, and take care of the house and just pick up in a lot of different ways. And so when life came calling, Austin Stoddard answered. And uh, a coach in Randy Affolter as a first-year head coach, he snuffed that out and he just listened. And he, let Affol- and he let Austin know that the football program was a place that he could feel welcome and feel comfortable. And once, once his dad, Corey, uh, got back to health, Austin committed to the weight room. He committed to the football program. He put on about 25 pounds of muscle over two years, uh, had a really strong all-league season in the spring. Uh, and he this, this fall, two-way all-league player, offense and defense, wide receiver and defensive back. Um, you just He just has, has seen all of that hard work he's put in over the last two years pay off. Uh, and Corey Stoddard, his dad, uh, in that story, one of the coolest things that uh, that they described to me, and and I, I just I just find this endlessly uh, endlessly cool, is that he comes to their home games, and Austin, when he's warming up and doing his DB drills on the field before those games, 
every time, every home game, he looks up into the stands, he finds his dad, he pinpoints him out, and the two, they could be hundreds of feet away from one another, will carry on full-blown conversations in American Sign Language, um, just as if he's standing next to him. And uh, Corey Stoddard, Austin's dad, was not able to be at Memorial Stadium the last two weekends. Uh, He watched from afar as, as his son made big play after big play to will this team to a state championship game. And uh, Corey Stoddard is going to be in the stands uh, this weekend watching his son on this stage. Um, Kennewick's run goes far beyond a coach that, that uh, you know, has believed in this team like Ted Lasso. Uh, you know, beneath this team and this run is, is a, a guy like Austin Stoddard who's playing for a lot more than just himself and his teammates. It's a kid like Miles Mayofsky, who was an All-State uh, player two years ago that willed Kennewick to the state semifinals and they just couldn't break through. They're here. Todd, one word. Believe. Hey, it would be a great story, Andy. Uh, it's, it's odd for me to pick against a team that there aren't too many teams that I would pick that could accomplish what Kennewick has done in 2019 and this fall, winning games after game, coming over to the west side and doing it uh, on the road like that. Uh, If they were able to finish it off at Spark Stadium on Saturday, it would surely be as good a story as we've we've covered, as we've seen covered uh, since since we've started it here at SB Live. I'm, I'm also looking very forward to that game and see how that comes out. And I know you are, too. I am. Our final classification, the biggest we're saving for the last at the 4A level. Todd, these are two teams that coming into this year, neither you or I are surprised that these two teams are here playing for a state championship game at 4 p.m. at Mount Tahoma Stadium in Tacoma. That's number three seed Lake Stevens and number one seed Graham Kapausen. Both teams are undefeated on the year. Neither school has won a state title. This is a once in a generation team for GK uh, under head coach Eric Curley. And this is a team uh, for Tom Try uh, that has just. You know, like we've talked about in some of these other games, this Lake Stevens team has just found ways to win when adversity is struck at different points this season, and they're going to need to do that again this weekend. Uh, what stands out to you about about this matchup? Uh, Graham Kapowson has been the favorite every time it's stepped on the field this season. Is there any way, uh, any reason to think that that's not the case on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this matchup all year, and it's a matchup that's in each game that GK has played, uh, it has uh, it has favored the Eagles, and it's running behind five guys who are going to be playing college football somewhere. You saw it in 2019, Andy, with Camus, how having a, a, a an offensive line that works so well together, that's talented, that's big, that's strong, that's that has so many snaps, you know, played next to one another, uh, and three pretty diverse running backs. Uh, I mean, it's just everybody knows what GK is going to do, but they can't stop it. It's They're going to continually pound the middle of defenses with a power running game. Um, and we saw it last week against Kamaikan, a team that I thought would give GK its, its best game, its biggest test with all those athletes on the side. Um, and GK just did what to Kamaikan, what it did to Bakel what it's done to the SBSL teams. It just hands the ball off to all those really good running backs behind that offensive, that awesome offensive line. And oh, by the way, if we need to change the pace, we'll just hand the ball to, you know, maybe the best quarterback uh, in the state and Josh Wood. And I, I don't see that. I don't see that changing 
Saturday. Now, there are a couple things that could severely impact this game further. Uh, it's the injury status of a couple of Lake Stevens' top players. Grayson Uren uh, went down with, uh, with an injury against Eastlake. We don't know what his status is, but it might be a shoulder, collarbone. Um, and then, and then uh, Jaden Lamar uh, didn't play much after the first half. Um, they said it was sick, but uh, he was sick. But um, um, we don't really know what's going on with Jaden Lamar. Um, so, uh, but they have other guys, uh, you know, Trace Hanks, Drew Carter, um, Jay Sean Lamar had a great uh, coming out party against Eastlake as a, as a kind of a hammer runner. But if those two guys are limited or cannot play against Graham Kapowson, I just can't see a way for this team to beat Graham Kapowson. Um, if they were at full strength, I'm still picking Graham Kapowson in this game. I think they finished their, their, their general, you know, they, they finished their perfect season with the generational team. Uh, I think GK wins. I think it's going to be 40 to 28 and the Eagles win, get Eric Curley his first state championship. I'm with you, Todd. I think for, for all that Lake Stevens, uh, has, has done and the impressive wins that they pulled off this season. Um, I just, until we see it, um, I don't see how these uh, these Eagles, uh, you know, falter, especially on a on a stage like this. You know, you need to have the ball in a uh, in in your quarterback's hands. Uh, a guy who can take care of the ball, who who's poised in big moments. Uh, GK just checks every single box. Uh, they they have all year. Um, you know, Josh Wood. This is the moment he's been waiting for. Todd. He started as a junior. Showed the state when few eyes were watching in the spring when there wasn't a state championship to play for, uh, who he was and what he what he stood for, and and he he could very well the Eastern Washington commit could very well cap his college career or high school career this weekend, uh, you know holding a trophy in his hand and, and I expect him to so uh, I like that score prediction I I think mine's going to be somewhere in the thirty eight to twenty range so not that far. From you, what what did you say yours was? I think I said forty to twenty-eight, Graham Kapowson. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go back and confirm that when I edit this, but uh, that that shows you how how good my short-term memory is. So, um, both of us picking GK to win this game, Todd. Uh, who we got covering this one? Uh, Doug Drowley will be there writing, and I will be on the sideline taking some videos and and photos and and getting some post-game interviews uh, for that four o'clock game at Mount Tahoma Stadium. If you are a fan of high school football and you care about these games coming into the week, um, how can how what is the best way to follow along with SB Live's coverage uh, this weekend? Get on our app, be at the game, make sure that make sure that we're we've got you covered in in a timely manner. Uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have photographs from all uh, you know five of the six games. We're gonna have highlights, videos from four of the games. We're going to have every game written about, uh, both as right after the game and then with some observations. Uh, it's going to be a really busy day. Uh, I hope everybody's ch- checked out what we've written on our website, um, on our official Twitter account. Uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a it's going to be an exciting finish to a well, it's been a long season. Let's let's face it, Andy, to have to cover football in the spring, late winter, early spring, and turn around and cover a full season five, six months later uh, has been difficult, but it's also been very difficult for these coaches and players. But now we're at the top of the mountain and we get to see how it all plays out and, and who gets to call themselves the best teams in the state. 
no question. Scorebooklive.com slash Washington. That's the website. The SB Live Sports app, free wherever you get apps, is the best way to read, listen, and view our work. Lots of exciting things this weekend, Todd. We're going to be there covering them. I appreciate you being here with me today on this podcast to break everything down. We'll have to jump back on the airwaves once things are are, uh, are, are all sealed up here. But for SB Live Sports and SB Live Washington, a proud member of the Sports Illustrated Media Group, I've been Andy Bueller. He's Todd Millis. We'll catch you on the sidelines this weekend in Pierce County. This podcast is brought to you by SB Live Sports, your national hub for high school sports news and information. Subscribe for free wherever you get podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review to help us best serve you, the listener. You can find our website at scorebooklive.com Washington. There you'll see news, features, highlights, podcasts, and everything in the world of high school sports across this state. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Washington Federal. Thanks to Dan Dickow and Todd Millis for bringing the heat every week. This song you're hearing is by the band Woodrow. It's called So Far Away. It's written by James Schroeder, Carl Johnson, and my dad, Matt Bueller. I'm Andy Bueller. We'll be back next week. take a moment to tell you about something really exciting for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news here in Washington and across the country. With the SB Live Sports app, it's now even easier to follow your favorite team and tailor your experience to your interests. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers on the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Todd Millis, myself, Andy Bueller as well as SB Live's preeminent basketball mind and recruiting expert, Dan Dickow. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today.